Have you ever heard the phrase, I just felt a goose walk over my grave? It's a colloquial phrase used for that moment when you feel a shiver of premonition and you just know something is going to go horribly wrong. That's what I felt when I saw those ravens take off and fly in the same direction we're going. I didn't even know there were ravens in Afghanistan, and yet... I don't know if I'm being overly paranoid. Sometimes a bird is just a bird, Agent Rowan. But with how all of the threads keep coming together, weaving together Idaho and Afghanistan and Arizona, it's hard not to see portents of doom in the weird birds flying overhead our little convoy. That said, the formerly vacuum-sealed flesh lumps are a strong argument for why a proper catalog of our green box contents might be a good idea. A catalog available outside of Rooster's Head. We have no idea where they came from before they wound up in a green box in Idaho, a green box that had connections to Brazil and Rooster's particular experiences there. As far as I know, that trail ends in the negative temperatures of Idaho's winter. I've no idea what good the bones and wet specimens might do us now, but it's the same script and the golden ratio inscribed on the damn bones. That feels significant. Or, as I used to say before Rooster corrupted the phrase, it's too coincidental to be coincidence. Too many damn red strings, and I don't have enough anchor points for all of them. Three ravens, three ravens with eyes black as night. Just look in their eyes, oh, don't put up a fight. They'll strike where you stand, a slow death you feel. Beware of the ravens or you'll be there next me. You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast. When we last left our agents, they had hopped into the joint tactical vehicles, two of them. And in the lead vehicle being driven by Bryant, Rory, Rowan, and their guide named Harding were in the lead vehicle. In the follow vehicle, driven by Gina Graham, was Rooster, River, and Yassim. On the roads, you were able to see the beautiful Afghan landscape. You see that there are mountains on each side, very tall, sharp peaks. Some of them have snow on top. There is a fairly wide, slow-moving river to the left of the road that you're traveling on, a little bit of distance in, so it's, a, it's almost like a river valley. You see that there are some areas that are set up as farms. At quick glance, you realize they're poppy farms. There are some people out and about doing work, but it is still a very rural community. The road meanders and now travels due east. Looking at the charts in the map, Rowan, you, you realize this is where you're headed. You're headed to Kaluj Kel. Kaluj Kel is the town that Ellis would go and visit with his friends. Apparently he had made some acquaintances there and it's a good chance to find out more information as to where our missing Delta Green agent had gone. Travel is pretty quick. It's fairly comfortable. And like I said, the landscapes, for those that want to appreciate them, are absolutely gorgeous. You travel to an area that is a bit of a hollow 
or a pass in the mountains. It is surrounded on three sides, and you see within it a pretty good-sized village. There are, you know, stone homes, adobe homes. There are some satellite dishes on a few of the homes as well, and there is one telephone pole that comes into the town. Looks as though that it might even be carrying both power as well as possible telephone lines. You see not far away is a small cell phone tower at the edge of the hollow before it goes in, so almost like a repeater. Look at your phones and you see that there is some some signal out here. Not great, but some signal nonetheless. You arrive into the the village and you see it's a pretty good sized village. There's maybe fifty or so, you know, separate buildings. And you don't see any flags being flown. Uh, you don't see any markings of the Taliban or ISIS K. Oftentimes those groups do leave their mark in either flags or painting or signs. This area seems to uh, not have any allegiances. There's a guard standing there with a uh, Russian or Chinese made AK, comes up to the window of the lead vehicle. Bryant rolls down the window and says something in, in Pashto and uh, Harding says he's he's just letting them know that we're, we're coming in to visit. No, nod and acknowledgement. The guard brings up a walkie-talkie hand radio, talks into it quickly, and then waves you forward. You pull into an area that is almost like a town square parking lot. There are vehicles here. There's a few pickup trucks. You see that there's like a few late model SUVs. And surprisingly, you see that there is a uh, Toyota Tercel and a very tricked out high-end Nissan sports car. Brian says, if, you, if you're going to get any information from folks, this is where it'll be. The, the village elder, uh, Zahir, will probably be the best place to start. It's also the most honorable way to go. Got it. All right. Is there anything that I need to be aware of? Yeah. Yeah. So, Doc... Um, you're probably going to want to be the lead on this I one. I was just about, I was thinking that. Zaheer seems like he's a fairly progressive guy, but... Why, why test it? And this is progressive by Afghan standards. It's different than... Yeah. Yeah, you know. No, I know. Don't have to like it, but it is what it is. Yeah. You're sitting in the vehicle, and Bryant radios back to Graham, letting them know that we're waiting for the uh, liaison to come up. You see a young Afghani man come up and uh, wave everybody out of the vehicles. Brian's like, all right, grab your shit, hop out. We're going to park here. All right. You notice that as you stop the vehicles, when they are parked, they're actually, they've been turned around. So there's a quick exit out of town if need be. You see a couple kids running up. Everyone starts hopping out of the vehicles. And Harding hands you both a small bag of candy. River and, and Rooster, as you guys get out of the vehicle, Graham hands you a couple bags of candy as well. Don't give them all to one kid, because they'll be gluttons. But, you know, when their hearts and minds in one, one fashion or another, keep the kids happy, right? Yeah. Something like that. Candy, that's terrible for their teeth. Seriously? That's what you're worried about right now? It's the little things. Yeah. It is the little things. And you see that Rooster's head is just on a swivel. He's just... Everything about his body language is just uncomfortable and 
wary. Yasim, do you know the people here? I know some of the people here, yes. my One of my cousins, uh, and he points at the Nissan sports car, uh, fancies himself to be a street racer. Um, how don't you need a little bit more street? I'm, I don't have the heart to tell him. Sure. He just shrugs his shoulders. The kids surround all of the, the folks getting out of the vehicle, kind of pawing and, you know, reaching at, at people's pockets and, you know, just being underfoot. The Breckenridge folks that are local start hand out, you know, single pieces of candy and engaging in, you know, some small talk and some local engagement with the, with the kids here. With the kids that swarm me, I'll, I'll follow their example and give out like one or two pieces of candy per kid. Before you know it, your candy's all out. And you didn't necessarily splurge just to one kid. You're sure maybe another kid got an extra piece here and there because they're sneaky like that. Like all kids are. They went up to Rowan and got a couple. They went to me and got mm-hmm. a couple. <laughs> yep. Bounce back and forth. And they they kind of, you know, run off a little bit, give you a bit of distance in their talking. And you see one of them is wearing, you know, a T-shirt that says, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl champion 2021. Pittsburgh Steelers did not win the Super Bowl in 2021. You're not sure where they got it, but... Rooster walks over and goes, Oh, I see they got one of the shipments of last year's failed merch. Well, that's one way to get rid of it. Well, I mean, they've been doing that for decades because they have to pre-make it somehow. They have it ready to go, and then... Someone's always going to lose. Take it the Steelers did not win. No. No. Okay. Yeah, you notice how the winning team always has their shirts ready to go? Mm -hmm. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. No, the Red Sox won. I know that's baseball. Okay. (laughs) I I don't know. You might not have. Harding comes by. The Steelers weren't even in the Super Bowl. It was the Chiefs and the Bucks. Anyway. But yeah, they get that's how they get our clothes. Yeah. And I'll look over at, at Rory. For the purposes of this village visit, Cap's in charge because it is not a good idea for me to be talking to village elders. As much as I hate the concept, do we need a veil? You don't see... You see one woman completely covered. Um, you see a few other women wearing the hajib and uh, other coverings, but not the complete full burqa covering. Only one woman is. I mean, my hair is covered. Yeah, you know, I'll go to Harding and say, uh, I guess let's go talk to the elder. All right. Let's go. Harding heads heads off uh, up the hill and waves for everyone to follow. The village itself, like I mentioned, is is on a hill, so it's a bit of a trek up. The elevation here is higher than you expected, and it causes you to be a little bit out of breath when you get to the edge of this uh, this home. There is a door that's open, but there is a uh, like a veil over the door of beads. You push aside the beads and they make a melodious sound. It almost sounds like singing. I guess I'll wait for, uh, what was his name again? Raheem? Raheem, yeah. Yeah, I'll wait for him to catch up and then introduce myself to the elder. You see standing in front of you a stout man with a very large, bushy, silver beard. He has a nice almost fancy white turban like very a very good linen turban and he's wearing a collared shirt and a, a pair of slacks 
through the translator because I'm not going to translate back and forth. Sure. Yeah. So Yasim will translate for both of us. That makes sense. Welcome to my home. Welcome to our village. I have prepared tea and I have snacks. Please come enjoy our hospitality. Thank you so much for the hospitality. I would love to partake and I'll help myself to some of the tea they offer it. He motions for you to come into the into the room and you see that there are a few tables around and he sits down at one of the tables and you see a uh, young man begin to pour tea into the cup as soon as you sit down. And you see that there's a, you know, a couple treats and snacks and some baked goods and lifts open a tagine and there's, uh, you know, rice and some sort of meat smells like goat. Looks like they went kind of all out for you being here, even though they didn't know you were going to. I was going to say, so the reason we're coming to visit is um, one of our people has gone missing and we're inquiring if you know anything about it or if I know of anyone seen him. And I'll give a brief description of Ellis. Yes, yes, we know Ellis. Um, He is a a kind man. We did see him. uh, He did come through here not too long ago. Uh, Does he need does he need our help? We haven't seen him in about a week uh, since he walked off camp. When was the last time you were you remember seeing him? About a week ago. Um, Do you remember when specifically? Um maybe four uh, five five or six days ago so that would have been after he left the compound he starts to talk rapidly and and Yassim takes in the information he's he's inviting everyone to enjoy the food and not just the tea um, I think it would be a good idea for hospitality to uh, have have the meal with with him uh, yeah I'll help myself to one of the treats what about everybody else I will take a sampling of most of the stuff there. Not a lot. Small plate. Yeah, small plate. Yeah, I'll take some, but I'm going to sort of make sure I see him eat some first. He takes a a big bite with the flatbread and takes the goat and has some and then has some rice. And he's eating heartily and smiling. And you see that when he he smiles and laughs, um, one of his teeth is actually golden. All right, well, at that point, I'm going to tuck in because that's one thing I remember is that Afghan food is amazing. And your memory serves you right. The food is really good. I'm I'm sticking close to Gina and basically imitating her because she has a better idea of what's proper in this in this area. You are not being treated ill, nor are you being treated any different than any of the men. By chance, you are seated with Gina as well as River at one of the small tables. You can't have everybody around the table. They don't have the big table, but smaller tables. And it doesn't seem to be causing any eyebrows to be raised. And then again, you guys haven't said anything or done anything yet to possibly do so. Everybody has a, a, a you know a small dish or, or digs in quite well. Harding has some food. Brian has some food. And, you know, there's a little bit of laughter. Yasim translates that, you know, they make a comment about, you know, the Westerners not necessarily knowing how to to drink tea even though you guys are just drinking tea like you normally would but there's still a, a joke made about it when he has has a full belly yes he 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 came here about a week ago he would come often and uh would talk he appreciated afghan culture as well as afghan history he did not treat us as though that we are an inconvenience and treated us with respect we hope that 
this can continue with the people at base Turner. Of course. We haven't seen Ellis since he left shortly before you saw him, if I have my timeline right. Do you have any idea where he might have gone? He kind of squares up a little bit and then just shakes his head and doesn't say anything. I'll kind of look to Yassim. Do I read anything from that expression? That would be a human role to read to read read expressions. Yes. I would also be interested yeah. in that human because while I'm not speaking, I am observing everything. Yeah, I'll do. I'll okay. for it. That was a legitimate wanting to know the answer, but I'm also trying to get my humans up every time. Right? But that's but this is the exact use for that unit. I failed. Odd six. Excellent. What's your human? 18. Bro? That's two out of two I've made. Rory? Uh, 65 out of 48. River, did you roll? 33 out of 57. Excellent. Agent Rowan? 63 out of 63. So the one person that's talking to him missed it. (laughs) Well, yeah, you were carrying on the conversation, everybody. Yeah, you're actually actually focused on on the conversation. The rest of us are are Mm -hmm. reading the intents. That makes sense. We We can say that your attention is distracted because... Not only are you talking to him, you're also talking through Yassim yeah. and going through that. So you don't necessarily have yeah, the focus. I'm, I'm right, kind of like so. looking to Yassim. If once he doesn't when he doesn't say anything right away, I kind of look over to Yassim and kind of see what he's So we're we're gonna start with Rooster, since Rooster technically got the worst role out of everybody, even though it was a fantastic role. You can tell he's holding something back about Ellis. River, you get the feeling that he knows. Besides the fact that he's he's holding something back about Ellis, you're getting a read that he knows a lot more. Like he might know where Ellis is right now. Or where what direction Ellis went if he's not in town. And then Rowan, you get this feeling that again, he's holding information back and that he has very intimate knowledge of where Ellis is. Like he's had a a, a, a a bond or a friendship with Alice, not just a nice guy that came through town. Does he seem troubled by the information that he hasn't been seen since then? Yes. So I will ask Gassim to pass on. We are friends of Alice and we are concerned only about his well-being. We don't want to make any kind of trouble for him. Zahir looks at you and through Yassim, Mr. Ellis had a darkness about him. He did not wish to continue on and carry on with his life as it was. He wished to seek a salvation, but not a salvation that Allah could provide. Does the name Kaligati mean anything to you? Yassim translates that, and everybody notices his posture change and he takes a takes a sip of tea and sits up straighter. Kaligari is nothing. Kaligari is nothing. Kaligari is is nothing. It's Kaligari. Kaligari is a myth. There is no there. Nothing about Kaligari. Do not seek Kaligari. It is a fool's quest. Okay. From the back of the room, a bit Rooster sort of goes. So, what kind of salvation did Ellis want to find there? In Pashto or English. I've got a 10 in Pashto. Would I be able to say that? Give me a roll. Fuck. Here's the thing. Just failing doesn't mean that you say something wrong. 
Critically failing will mean that you say something wrong, right? Okay, I don't want to pull a Saturn here. 86. No. You don't know the word for salvation. Okay. So I'll say in English then, what kind of salvation was Ellis looking for in Kaligati? Kaligati is Kaligati is 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 nothing. It and this is Yasim repeating it back. Kaligati is nothing is uh he asks something to Zahir. Yasim turns back and looks at you. I'm I'm sorry, he he's saying Kaligati is nothing, but he's also saying Kaligati is oblivion, Kaligati is darkness, Kaligati is it he keeps saying it, but in the there's no direct translation for this word, I hope you understand. I am I am interpreting. I think I'm getting the gist here. It's nothing, not as in there isn't anything to it, but as in the end, the not. We were told that Ellis was seeking Kaligati. Did he find it? Through Yasim, Zahir says, Ellis is seeking salvation. Kaligati is nothing. And Yasim seems a little confused by that translation and asks him to clarify, and he says he says it again a second time. He was seeking salvation. Do you know where else Ellis might be? He would be somewhere in the village or somewhere nearby. Give me a persuade roll. Oh, that is a 96. And he just nods his head. I do not know. The three of you feel that he knows where he's at. He's just not saying. Did Ellis find salvation or did he find nothing? The seeker of salvation does has not found nothing. You seem seems a little confused by the answer and asks Zahir to repeat himself and says the same same again with the a facial expression of like, hmm, well, that's what he said. Is there anything else you can tell us about Kaligati? Yasim relays that, and Rooster, you hear a word, Alankambutu. I just stand up. And Yasim says, he mentions something about a haunting and a spider. Haunting? Or yeah, no, I caught that bit. Haunting. Maybe he means that, that it's a it's over, overrun by spiders. It happens here occasionally. Ask him more about the spider. Yeah, Zahir. And Zahir just shakes his head, shakes his head and waves his hand and says something. Yeah. He will not tell us any. He will not say any more about, about that. Did Ellis leave the village? Yes, Ellis is not here. Ellis came through town. We shared tea. We shared food and wisdom. And he left. Which direction did he travel when he left? I do not know. It was nighttime. And with that, the three of you think he's lying. Thank you so much for your hospitality. Would it be okay if we looked around the village? Harding kind of looks at you. His eyes widen a little bit. Leans in you. Do you mean like door-to-door search? I don't know. It's quietly to Harding. Yes or no? I think that's a bad idea, Cappy. Just in, not door to door, just in general. Just looked around. Our Harding says, no, we just want to look around the, the village. And Yassim translates, interprets, and he nods, yes. You have always been respectful to our village. We honor that, such is why you are 
always invited to our village. We enjoy this relationship. There was another man earlier than that. I think we were told he came to this village. Dr. Fadi? And you see his eyes light up after you see him mentioned, after, actually after you say the name Fadi, Yassim translates back that Zahir says, yes, yes, he was a, a man of science and helped us out, uh, helped us with a well issue that we had and provided good information and helped us set up our solar panels. He was a, a very wise man, very revered. We are happy for his, uh, his assistance. When he says, well, I'm going to kind of glance at River, and then when he's done talking, I'll say, where is the well that he was helping you with? Points out the door and, and you know, in general direction, out the door. I am also a man of science in the same field as Dr. Fadi. I have been asked to ensure the safety of the people here. May I be permitted to test the waters of your well? Yes, yes, my grandson will take you there. Uh, he will take you to where wherever you need to go, and we will provide you with whatever assistance you need. Thank you. I think that's it. Um, so yeah, I'll thank him again, and then yes, in whatever the custom is, like he stands up and shakes everyone's hands, and Zahir actually says thank you in English to each of you. He shakes all of your hands. He shakes Gina's hand. It's not as close you know, as with the men. Um, and he reaches out for Rowan to shake her hand as well. And I will shake his. You do notice that as he does that, almost like a specter, a woman has appeared in the room. Maybe a family member. She might have been there the entire time, but you didn't see her. Maybe she's hiding around the corner. Mm. As he thanked, you know, as he thanked you uh, afterward, he kind of ushers. You see her come up to him and talk to him afterward and she looks looks at him and they, they carry on a bit of a conversation as everyone leaves from what I'm observing from their conversation does she look upset no looking at her body language and the way that they're interacting is there anything that I can glean about the manner of their interaction she is considerably younger than he is but you think that she might be a daughter or a granddaughter and their conversation is not very animated, but it seems though that it does have something to do with him shaking hands with both you and Graham. Not necessarily in a bad way. You can see they, they're both smiling. You, you're not getting any insidious intent. I'll note that with interest and lean over to Gina as we're walking out and ask, do you know who that woman is? I don't. I've seen her before. I think she is... She is family. Um, this is the first time he's ever shook my hand. Interesting. Yeah, like Harding said, he's a little progressive. Maybe becoming more and more progressive, seeing you around here. I'm going to go to Harding and quietly say, I'm sure he knows more about what happened to Ellis than he's telling us. Is there any way we can find somebody else to ask? There is a... One of his nephews is also quite respected in the village. We can talk to him, maybe. It won't seem out of place because he's younger. He seems to be the next in succession. I was thinking maybe Yasim could talk to his cousin. We can do that as well. I'll come up alongside Rory and say quietly, 
I am absolutely confident that he knows where Ellis is. I see. So... And the fact that he's keeping that from us is concerning to me. So you think he's hiding it because he wants to protect Ellis? Or some other reason? From what I gathered, they were very close. So my inclination would be more that he was trying to protect him, trying to maybe give him that chance at salvation that he was seeking. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I do think if River's serious about looking at that well, maybe that's something we should do now. Or maybe even, as much as I hate it, split up and have River look at that and a couple of us go talk to his, what was his nephew? The nephew who's the next in line? Yeah. yeah. Well, the issue that I see there is that we don't have many people who speak the language. Yeah. Might be a good idea to have Harding go with River and have uh, Yassine go with certainly you. I want to go. I want to I want to hear what's going on, but I'm not sure how much I'm going to be able to help. Why don't you go with River then? Okay. And I'll lean close enough so that only Rory can hear me. Keep an eye on Rooster. He reacted really strongly to something in there. I mean... I mean, the spider. Yeah, he told us that was what... Yeah, but he reacted before the translation came. Yeah. I mean, he's been acting weird the whole trip. I'm not... I mean, it's no different than me going back to Timber Cove. It's fair. So, keep an eye on him. Make sure he's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I'll go over to River. Let's go see this well. Well, well. Boo. So his his grandson comes by, and um, do you, are you guys taking Yassim with you? I think that River and I are taking Harding, and Yassim would go with Rory and Rooster. And what about Brant and Graham? They're going to stay by the vehicles. Yeah, they, okay. they'll 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 want to be ready if we have to get out yeah, fast. Yeah, that makes sense. A young young boy, late teenager, maybe sixteen, is introduced. His name is Olfat, U L F A T. He speaks broken English, and not very good broken English, but still broken English nonetheless. It's enough that you and Harding are able to kind of make things out. Uh, he takes you over toward one of the wells that uh, Zahir had mentioned, and you, you see that it's a deep well. There is a pump at the top, fairly modern. You see that there is a hand crank as well, like a hand pump, but there's also a mechanical pump as well. Are you going to test the water there? I'll take a sample. I think I'll take it. Wait till we get back to the vehicles to test it. I want to try asking the boy how Dr. Fadi hurt his foot, you know, using simple English and trying to mime out that hurt ankle. He fell down the mountain. He fell down the mountain into the, into, into a stream. Which mountain? Uh, any points in the general directions. Mountainside was, wasn't secure. It collapsed underneath him. He fell very far. That that mountain we can see? No, no, no. Beyond. Uh, nice man. It was a very nice man. Uh, got really hurt, but the Americans took care of him. Yes, he, he is good now. And he smiles. and He shows you around to a couple other, other things. You know, you get the water sample um, as you're walking. He's pointing out. You think he says, this is my house. This is my friend's house. This is my girlfriend's house. 
and brings you over to a you know an array of satellite dishes. You have TV. Yes, Top Gear, favorite show. Top Gear. Uh, my daughter likes that. He smiles and he starts to ask a bunch of questions really quick. But you think you know when he when he slows down a little bit. You know he's asking if everything is right. Can they make it better? Can you get some of the the spicy channels? I'm kind of ignoring this conversation, like checking in on it once in a while out of the corners of my eyes, but I'm keeping an eye out around us. I'm specifically looking for the woman who came in and talked to uh, Zahir to see if she's keeping an eye on things, if she's around. Yes, she is watching you. Hmm. She's kind of keeping a bit of a distance off, but keeping her eye on things. For a tale, she's pretty good, but... In a small town, you're like, hmm, she's everywhere I'm looking. <laughs> so at some point, if I, I mean, not catch her eye because my glasses are fully mirrored, but if I see her like seven times in a row, I'll just like uh, lift my hand and wave a little bit. She kind of looks around and waves back cautiously. Give her a warm smile, but don't initiate contact. Olfat asks, ask River, do you want to see something? Um on the TV? Kind of. Is for men only. I'll step back a little bit. Being like, yeah, go ahead. All right. He goes inside and, and waves you into a uh, the house. And you see that this place is set up with a, a small like kitchenette type thing. There's power in the house. And there's TV. This is a... It's more advanced than what you would think. Right. A lot of people have the misconceptions that there is no power, that it is Stone Age, and it's not necessary. It's poverty stricken. And but they've got TV. You see a radio. You see, you know, all kinds of, you know, modern amenities as well. He takes you back toward a room and you see that there's a Afghanistan flag up, which hang on the wall. It's something that you note. Right. It's not something that jumps out at you, but it's still something that you're kind of like, all right, that's interesting. He goes into a room and you see he's got a, it's his room. There's bed on the floor. There's a, a radio uh, stereo. He picks up the bed and pulls out a magazine and says, how does science do this? And he hands you the magazine. This is haram. This is, this is unclean. This is not something I should have here. But for science, I must know. You see that it is a early 70s penthouse magazine. And inside, you see that the women's head are taped over with fish heads. And I will try to tear the tape and show him that there's actual women under the fish heads. You tear the tape off, and there's a fish head underneath the head. Okay, that I didn't expect. You hear a noise inside the house. He grabs it out of your hand and then shoves it under the bed. Um, FIFA, 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 19, yes. You, you like soccer? Oh, I, I watch soccer sometimes. You, you call it football here, yes? Yes. His eyes, his eyes grow really wide. Nothing really happens. It's just that he's that jumpy. It's like too, too, too risky. And he pushes you toward the door. Science, though. Science doesn't have all the answers. Not yet. Allah will give us the answers. Bites his tongue. Screen wipe over to Rory and Rooster. You're introduced to a man in his 30s named Vahid. Vahid is a man in his 30s with a very uh, long beard. His eyes are very 
piercing, very striking. Yasim introduces him and introduces you, and he shakes shakes both your hands. Thank you for for acknowledging me and uh, coming to visit. I appreciate and honor that. Through Yasim, I'll say, of course, it's an honor to meet you. We've just met with your uncle. He's very kind to us, very hospitable. Um, just had a couple questions. Yes, yes. What can I do for you? Uh, did you know Ellis? I'll give a brief description. Yes, yes. I know Mr. Ellis. We've been looking for him. We haven't seen him in about a week. He has given up on life. He walked into the mountains. Do you know what direction? Yes. And he points off where the hollow ends in the pass itself, where the, where the mountains themselves meet. He went that way. How long ago? About a week or so. He was a kind man, troubled. Yeah. Lots of darkness. Your uncle said he was seeking salvation. He will not find it. He wishes just to end it. Why would he go that way to end it? Get lost in the mountains. He was searching for the darkness. Or Kaligati? Yes. What do you know of Kaligati? Very little. That is a good thing. What do you know about Kaligati? Kaligati is a tale to tell children who misbehave. Well, let's pretend I've done something bad and tell me the tale to scare me. Please. Kaligati is a place where the sun never touches and beasts like the shaitan and jinn live. They are haram. They are not... They are things that are forbidden. Things before the great prophet. Things that go against Allah. There was another man, uh, Faudi. Did he also seek Kaligati? I don't think he sought Kaligati, but I think he found Kaligati. He ended up with the black foot. Can you tell me more about that? It's a foot that goes black. It's like a curse. How would he get that? Yeah. To step in an area where the sun has never shone. And what direction was was that? The same direction that Ellis went? It is said to be that way. Has anyone here ever seen Kaligati? If they have, they've never told me. Your uncle said Kaligati was nothing. And I'll actually say the Pashto word. What does that mean? Um, um, oblivion. Nothing. Empty. Void. Darkness. And with the jinn, are there Alan Kubutu? His eyes grow wide when you say that. Alan Kubutu is said to be a protector of Kaligate. And what, what is the... What he said. Yasim says, Alan Kambatu means, means spider. I think he means that there's spiders. Or somebody named Alan Kambutu. Under his breath, Brewster just swears Morquas, which is a Pashto curse that is not to be said in public particularly. And it's overheard by Vahid, and Vahid kind of just looks at you and just squints his eyes, looks at you disapprovingly in, in use of that word. And I'll look at him and I say, is the spider one thing or are there many? He laughs 
and then shakes his head and then kind of like shivers a little bit. May we be protected if there's more than one. Rory makes a mental note to once we're away from a heat to ask Rooster more about the spiders that he had mentioned he encountered. There's a strange smell on the air as it's getting late in the afternoon. Vahid looks up and you see that the clouds are growing dark. The clouds are coming over the mountain. Expecting any weather today? It is monsoon season. We best get inside. Uh, okay. Do we have radios? To cont- yes. Okay. I'm going to kind of step outside briefly and radio Rowan to say, hey, it's looks like it's going to rain. You should find shelter or find shelter where you are. No, let's meet up together. We might not have time to do that. A large raindrop drops and hits your foot and covers your entire foot. You look down, you're like, God damn. I'll step back inside. It's just rain. For now. Mm. It's just rain coming from that direction. Yeah, inside. Let's get inside. The rain starts to come down and it sounds as though they are hammer strikes on the ground they arrive with such force it's it is impressive watching the rain come down then the skies open up and it gets very dark and a few moments later the skies open up and just unleash a torrential downpour rain begins to come down straight down not much wind and visibility goes very dark you see small streams coming down the way, coming down the, the road, and where everyone is kind of sheltered in, Rowan and Harding, you step into Olfat's home because of the rain, and you see a woman step in, the woman that was, that was watching you. you. Need to get out of the rain? She says in near-perfect English, slightly accented British English. Well, I don't want to be out in that. No, who would be? You're seeking Kaligati, aren't you? Not in the sense that I want to find it, but I want to find Ellis. And he apparently sought Kaligati. I know someone that can tell you how to get there. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislavski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Joseph Newman, and I play Rory. I'm Dan Voshkevich, The Handler. Our story is based on the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 4 is based on the scenario Kali Gotti, written by Shane Ivey. If you like our story, there are a few ways to support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Stephen Schwartz, Director Arayo, Jonathan Powell, Tom Padula, M.S. Asnikar, Heather Ney, Jen Obertaz, Jake Blair, Bomb Clancy, Kit Thompson, Danny, Lady Bedivio, Sherrick Manning, Andrea of the Burbs, Red Dead Coquette, Blardimus, Ginger Fury, Dr. Christian Lehman, Kate, DB, Eli the Kraut, and... The entity known as George? If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on the usual social media sites. 
Also, check out our website, www.theredactedreportspodcast.com. All of our handouts are archived there. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you could reach out to Agent Harker through our contact form on this site. The Redact Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Our intro and outro music this season is Three Ravens by Ed Randazzo and Brett Alexander. You can find more amazing music by them at www.edrandazzomusic.com and www.brettalexanderonline.com. Join us next week when reality melts around the pressures from beyond and entities with unspeakable names and burrowing thoughts dream at us. They wait for that moment to devour our puny, insignificant lives and replace us with drones and clones to control the rest of humanity. Three ravens, three ravens with eyes black as night. Just look in their eyes, oh don't put up a fight. They'll strike where you stand, a slow death you feel. Beware of the ravens or you'll be their next meal.